Before we begin, I would like to wish my mother, Elaine, a very happy birthday. She is one of the biggest fans of the show. She listens all the time, and she's constantly going back, listening, and re-listening to previous episodes. God bless her for it. (laughs) But definitely, we want to wish Elaine a very, very happy birthday. Today is her special day, and we dedicate this show to her. Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. I firmly believe that the divine works through people to help us every day. These angels and saints are so very humble. Many of us don't know they exist or existed. Hello, my name is Angel and I'll be your host as we explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. How are you all doing? Are you by chance having a dark night of the soul? If you are, well, you've come to the right place and to the right episode because today we're going to learn and be introduced to St. John of the Cross. But before we begin, I want to give a big welcome to everyone. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for finding our show and for tuning in. It is my deepest hope and sincerest prayer that you find everything you're looking for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast here with us and more. And if you're returning, infinite thanks, blessings and love, to all of our longtime listeners. It is because of each and every one of you that this show is here and continues to be here. Before we begin the truly amazing story of St. John of the Cross, uh, I do have one small thing to share. Oh, I shouldn't say small. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great thing to share. It's, it's something that's definitely greatly needed. Um, Earlier this week, I met uh, a gentleman by the name of Kajambu on uh, Facebook, and he was sharing with me that he is one of several people who run a um, charity called Disciples of Hope Ministries of Uganda. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Uganda, but it is um, a a war-torn country. A lot of children are orphans and Um, poverty is such a high level there, especially among children. And, um, you know, unfortunately, those children who aren't attended to tend to get picked up by other tribes of other places and stolen. They actually steal children and turn them into soldiers, uh, killing machines. And uh, bless Kachambu's heart and all those involved. They are doing absolutely everything they can do to prevent this and to help the youth of Uganda and the orphans of Uganda. But they need our help. If you have the means to donate, they do accept donations through their website um, for various things. There's many different categories that they're raising money for, and it stipulates on each need what, what they're doing and how they're going to achieve that goal, like clean drinking water, food, medication, education, uh, things that we take 
for, or the, the majority of us take for granted. It's a scarcity and a rarity there in Uganda. Also, Kajambu shared with me that they are also in need of gently used children's clothing and shoes. So if you would like to send them a care package, please contact me. My information is at the end of the episode, at the end of every episode. Email me and I will give you the address so you can mail whatever donations you would like to Kajambu. If you would like to make a uh, financial donation and you have the means, you can find them at disciplesofhopeministries.org. And I will have a link to that in the show notes and description. Anything you can do to help helps a child or children. So last week we met St. Teresa of Avila, and I thought it was only right since we were talking about her last week, and St. John of the Cross was mentioned many times as her cohort and uh, fellow brethren, um, that we go ahead and talk about and meet uh, St. John of the Cross this week, while that information on St. Teresa of Avila is still fresh in our minds, because the two are so intertwined in two of probably the most amazing mystics ever. Okay, so St. John of the Cross, his feast day is December 14th. I know some of you who listen at home, especially Roman Catholics, like to know the feast days so you can partake on those days and uh, honor and pay homage to these great and amazing saints and mystics. Uh, St. John of the Cross is the patron saint of contemplatives, mystics, and Spanish poets. He was born in 1542. They don't give a birth date, um, which so often sadly happens uh, going back that far. So he was born in the year 1542, and he passed in De- on December 14th of 1591 at the age of 49 years young. He was beatified on January 25th, 1675, by Pope Clement X, and he was canonized on December 27th, 1726, by Pope Benedict XIII. So St. John of the Cross was born Juan de Yepes y Alvarez in Fontenveras, Avila, Spain, in 1542. His father was employed by wealthy family members as an accountant, but they disowned him when he married a poor woman from a lower class. As a result of his family's poverty, John's family suffered greatly. So John's dad, if you didn't catch that, John's dad had some wealthy family members who took him on as their accountant, and I guess they paid him pretty good uh, to be their servant slash accountant until he met someone, fell in love, and got married, and this girl was at a lower class than they were, not John's father, and therefore they disowned John's father for doing this, which put the family in poverty. John's father died when he was three, and his older brother Luis died two years after that, likely because of malnutrition. John's mother eventually found work weaving, which helped her to feed her family. 
As a child, John was sent to a boarding school for poor and orphaned children. He was given a religious education from a young age and chose to follow a religious path, even as a child. He served as an acolyte at an Augustinian monastery. As he grew older, he went to work at a hospital while attending a Jesuit school. And by the way, all of this information, uh, this article is actually from Catholic Online. And as always, I will have links to it in the show notes and description. In 1563, he was able to join the Carmelite order and took the name John of St. Matthias. He made vows the following year and was sent to the University of Salamanca, S-A-L-A-M-A-N-C-A, Salamanca, Salamanca, (laughs) just say it fast, to study theology and philosophy. He became an expert in the Bible and dared to translate the Song of Songs into Spanish, an act which was controversial since the church forbade the translation of the Bible from Latin, a measure to protect the original meaning in the scripture. John became a priest in 1567 and considered joining the Carthusian order where monks lived cloistered in individual cells. He was attracted by the simple and quiet life. However, he encountered Teresa of Avila, a charismatic Carmelite nun. Teresa asked John to follow her. John was attracted by the strict routine followed by Teresa, a routine she hoped to reinduce, or excuse me, reintroduce to her order as well as her devotion to prayer and simplicity. Her followers went barefoot and were therefore known as Discalced Carmelites. On November 28, 1568, Teresa founded a new monastery. The same day, John changed his name again to John of the Cross. Within a couple years, John and his fellow friars relocated to a larger site for their monastery. He remained at this location until 1572. In 1572, John traveled to Avila at the invitation of Teresa to become her confessor and spiritual guide. He remained in Avila until 1577. While there, he had a vision of Christ and made a drawing that remains to this day called Christ from Above. The little drawing shows Christ on the cross looking down on him from above. The image has been preserved for centuries. Wow, isn't that something? St. Teresa actually went to St. John. Of course, they weren't saints at that time um, or noted as saints, uh, but went to him to ask him to be her spiritual guide and confessor. That's wow. Talk about an amazing, amazing honor. Around 1575, a rift within the Carmelite order began to grow and create controversy between various monastic houses. There was a disagreement between the Discalced Carmelites and the ordinary Carmelites over reform. And we talked about this last week with uh, St. Teresa's uh, show and how she was doing her best to spearhead getting that uh, reform done and because, you know, the... Carmelites had grown quite uh, lazy and 
non, um, I guess you would say non-monastic uh, in their ways. Uh, as we learned last week uh, from St. Teresa's story that, um, you know, like one of the parlors that is used, supposed to be used for gatherings of nuns and, and uh, monastics for prayer and things of that nature was turned into uh, a room to um, entertain visitors and things of that nature. It was just really strange and very non-monastic and very non-religious, especially the Roman Catholic faith, uh, Carmelite or whatever you want to sprinkle on your Roman Catholicism to flavor it. Um, so, you know, this was St. Teresa's big thing of her entire life was to bring about this reform and change and get things back to strict orders as they should have been and were at one time. So we'll see, you know, St. John began to do or attempt to do the very same thing as St. Teresa. The discalced Carmelites sought to restore the original strict routine and regimen that the order had when it was founded in 1432. The strict rules of order were mitigated, relieving the Carmelites of some of their most strict rules. Some Carmelites, such as Teresa of Avila, felt this liberalization of their rule had interfered with their order and practice. Teresa, along with John, sought to restore the original rule. So as you all could only imagine, uh, this was this venture was met with mixed responses. Um, of course, there were some who were extremely ready to jump on board and do this, and there were many who were not that greatly enjoyed the relaxed, do as you want, when you want, if you want uh, ways. I mean, again, remember from last week's show with St. Teresa, uh, we learned that a lot of the nuns weren't even nuns. They were just, people would just go there just to get away from life and take vows to become uh, monastics just to get away from life. And they were taken care of by the monasteries and, and all of that and didn't have to work or do anything. And they didn't want to work or do anything. So this became a really negative trend um, that, you know, both St. Teresa and St. John were doing their above level best to change. The Carmelites had been undergoing reform since 1566 under the direction of two canonical visitors from the Dominican order sent by the Vatican. The intervention of the Holy See, as well as the political machinations of King Philip II and his court led to a dramatic, even violent disagreement between the Carmelites. Wow, isn't that something that went to violence between people in the Carmelite order. These are monks and nuns who've taken vows. In late 1577, John was ordered to leave the monastery of Avila and return to his original house. However, John's work to reform the order had already been approved by the papal nuncio, who was higher authority. Based on that, John chose to ignore the lower order and stay. So the other Carmelites that had not been reformed, who were, loved the old ways, gave the order to John, since he was part of their order somewhat, somehow, some way, to uh, get out, you know, get the puck out. Yeah, and I said puck, is it hockey puck? 
to get out of Avila and leave the monastery. And at that same time, the reform had already been approved by the Vatican, by the papal nuncio. And so John took it as, well, the Vatican said I need to stay and, you know, oversee this um, reform. So I'm staying, you know, because they overrule the local uh, bishop or whomever was in charge of the Carmelites. Well, this did not go over very well with the Carmelites. On December 2nd, 1577, a group of Carmelites, remember, this is Carmelites, broke into John's residence and kidnapped him. He was taken by force to the order's main house in Toledo. He was brought before a court and placed on trial for disobedience. He was punished by imprisonment. So at this point, these other Carmelites are going against the Vatican, who they're supposed to be serving. They've like revolted and lost, literally lost their minds. So here they don't care what the Vatican says. They break, they break into John's home and <laughs> kidnap him and put him on trial before other, other Carmelites for disobedience, even though he was following the papal order and from the Vatican, which is just mind blowing that they didn't didn't want to see this and therefore they imprison him. But yet it gets better. Hold on. A cell was made for John in the monastery. They didn't have one with bars, so they made one for John that was so small he could barely lie on the floor. He was fed only bread and water and occasional scraps, scraps of salt fish. Each week he was taken into public and lashed, then returned to his cell. His only luxuries were a prayer book and an oil lamp to read it by. To pass the time, he wrote poems on paper that was smuggled to him by the friar charged with guarding his cell. Yes, folks, you heard that right. The friar guarding his cell, not somebody from the military or guard or a centurion or what have you, or the authorities. This was another brother friar that was made to guard over him while he was imprisoned. But this friar um, had such compassion for John and, and no doubt seen the error of his fellow Carmelites ways and did what he could to help John by smuggling him paper so he could write down his poems, many of which survive today. There are so many books by St. John as well as written about St. John. And one of those is probably the one of the most well-known is called The Dark Night of the Soul. Thus, the reason I asked everyone at the beginning of the show if you are having a dark night of your soul. So we, again, have to, I'm, I'm sorry I keep running around circles on this, but it's just mind-blowing to me that his own order grabbed him, kidnapped him, imprisoned him, um, beat him, 
put him on public display and beat him and treated him so badly, put him in such a, made such a tiny cell that he could barely lay down in this cell. It's just completely mind-blowing to me. Now, we have to remember, again, this isn't like the Martyrs of Campion episode where, you know, this was some crazy uh, king or warlord, you know, that like at that time with the with those nuns that kidnapped them and imprisoned them and ended up executing them. Great episode. If you have not already heard it, go back and listen to the Martyrs of Campion episode. No, this was John's own people, fellow brothers, fellow friars, monks, fellow monks that were doing this to him. It, that, that is just Wow, it's just completely mind-blowing. And you can see how, you know, the Inquisition and all of that stuff happened and how people who did not follow the Roman Catholic faith were persecuted, uh, tortured, killed, um, eradicated. Um, It's just, you know, it's just, it is just so mind-blowing and so sad. John became known as a remarkable and influential poet, especially following his death isn't that a shame i mean here we go again with you know these people not becoming known for what they're doing until after their death john has been cited as an influence to many poets mystics and artists even salvador dali after nine months john managed to pry his cell door from its hinges and escape. No doubt that friar that was watching over him um, helped with that. He joined Teresa's nuns in Toledo and spent six weeks in the hospital to recover. In 1579, he was sent to the town of Beza to be rector of a new college and to support the discalced Carmelites in Andalusia. In 1580, Pope Gregory formally authorized the split between the Discalced Carmelites and the rest of the order. This ended the rift within the order. At that time, there were about 500 members in the order living in 22 houses. Well, that's quite a bit. But as we see, even the Pope couldn't get the, the rift to stop until he just said, you know what, here, I'll draw a line in the sand and and those who want to be discalced go on the right and those who want to resume being lazy and no good go to the left. And that's what took place. During the last few years of his life, John traveled and established new houses across Spain, much like St. Teresa did that we learned last week. In 1591, John became ill with a skin condition that resulted in an infection. He died on December 14th, 1591. The skin disorder thing reminds me a lot of our show on Blessed Father Solanus Casey. If you haven't heard that one yet, please go back and check it out. Um, That is such an amazing episode. It really is. I mean, he is absolutely one of my, beyond one of my favorites, uh, Blessed Father Solanus Casey. So yeah, definitely go check him out. Okay, folks, so do you think after St. John uh, passed that he was able to just peacefully rest? No. no. <laughs> if your head wasn't spinning before with him being kidnapped and beaten and tortured 
by his own kind, this, what I'm about to share with you, will make your head spin. Shortly following his burial, there was a dispute over where he should be buried. The dispute was resolved, oh my, get this, by removing his legs and arms. <laughs> they took his arms and legs off. Over the, it gets worse, folks. Over the years, parts of his body were placed on display or buried across several places. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I had to pause there because this is just... That's really sick. <laughs> Gosh. God bless him. I mean, wow. As if life didn't do enough to him, or people in life didn't do enough to him. When he was alive, after he was dead, they just literally ripped him apart and put an arm here and a leg there and other pieces here and there. Ay, 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 ay. So... St. John of the Cross was beatified by Pope Clement X on 16, or excuse me, in 1675. And he was canonized by Pope Benedict XIII in 1726. Again, he is the patron saint of contemplatives, mystics, and Spanish poets, and his feast day is celebrated on December 14th. Many books by and about St. John of the Cross um, are available. You just go on Amazon or just do a Google search and put in St. John of the Cross books and so many will come up. You know, again, perhaps one of the best known is The Dark Night of the Soul. And I highly recommend Dark Night of the Soul. It is a very small book, but it is in poetic form. So it is definitely contemplative. It's, you know, something you must sit down with, take small bites and, and, and do your prayer and meditation and really contemplate what St. John is pointing to uh, and alluding to through his writing. And that goes with everything, everything he wrote and everything about him. So that is the article on uh, St. John of the Cross. And I greatly urge all of you to definitely investigate him more. There is so much more to St. John of the Cross that we could possibly cover in one show. Now, what I do want to do is I found an article, another article. Uh, of course, I'll have a link to that as well in the show notes and description. That is 100 quotes uh, from St. John of the Cross. Now, we did this on another show some time ago where um, at the end of the show, I did quotes of that saint and, you know, just kind of gave my take on or my translation or you know understanding of the quotes. And everybody seemed to really enjoy that episode. So we'll do the same thing here with St. John. I'm going to go over 15 of those 100 quotes because I know you all have things to do. You don't want to sit here and listen to me for the next three days, which would probably be what it would take to get through <laughs> all these hundred quotes. But before we begin, I just want to allude back to or jump back uh, where it was talking about the image that St. John drew called Christ from above. I'm going to see if I can locate that. And if I can, it will be the actual thumbnail picture for this episode, um, or as Father Mike likes to call it, the album cover. So if you are listening to this now and you haven't seen the album cover or thumbnail for this week's episode, check it out. 
because I will do my level best to find that image or a picture of that image and we'll use that as the thumbnail for this show. So, of course, with any kind of quotes, especially from mystics, they're, what they say are, you know, how Jesus used parables. These mystics used something like parables. Uh, I like to call them puzzle boxes. Um, and not, not like the puzzle boxes from the Hellraiser movies, but puzzle boxes that you need to sit down, that they want you to sit down and to contemplate and meditate on to get the meaning that sings to you or that the divine uh, uh, brings to your attention. Now, as I give my take on these quotes, they might not be the same take as you get. You know, you might get a different message from St. John and from the divine. And that's awesome. And again, you know, I'm just giving you my take on this as to give you a little bit of a primer, uh, if you will. It, I do really want you all to investigate these sayings or these quotes even more, because if you do on your own, like I said, you're going to get deeper meaning that speaks directly to you at your level, wherever you're at, and it will help you grow and evolve in your faith. So the first quote St. John says, Lord, I shall see you no more with the eyes of the flesh. So what do you all think he means by that? I will see you no more with the eyes of the flesh. I took this as since John is a mystic and a contemplative, that he does not rely on his eyes, his physical eyes to see the divine, that he sees the divine through his heart. And that, you know, he makes that connection with the divine uh, through his heart and through that feeling, that experience that we've been talking about uh, since this show began when we started talking about mystics. So um, that is my take on it, is that he no longer wants to visibly see the divine. He doesn't no longer need visible proof that the divine exists, that he will from that point forward uh, communicate and see the divine through his heart. Next we have, seek in reading and thou shalt find in meditation. Seek in reading and thou shalt find in meditation. That one's pretty much self-explanatory is that again, keep in mind, these are mystics that, you know, you need to read and as you read, meditate on what you're reading and then that's when the truth will come to you. It, the full benefit, the full nourishment of what you are reading only comes to you when you digest it through contemplation, meditation, just like the mystics. Next we have, knock in prayer and it shall be opened in contemplation. You all see the running theme here that John has, St. John. It, yeah, it's all about the mystic path. It's all about uh, contemplation, uh, contemplative meditation. He says, knock in prayer and it shall be opened in contemplation. So, you know, it's always good to, regardless of your faith, when you open up a sacred text from your faith and you go to study it, to pray first. Pray to the divine uh, or whomever you follow to bring to you the true meaning into your heart 
of what these what the sacred text or the author of the sacred text uh, is pointing to you know you want that prayer and if you st john says if you knock in prayer by asking that the true meaning of these words that you're reading and studying will be opened when you go into contemplative meditation when you contemplate that next is number four st john says to saints their very slumber is a prayer so that gets back to the contemplatives of like the great desert fathers and mothers who uh, of the eastern orthodox who talk about uh, you know even saint paul talked about the importance of praying continuously and that is what these you know this is what i'm taking that uh, saint john is alluding to is that the saints if you want to be a saint the saints uh, in their very slumber, while they sleep, they are in prayer. You know, slumber is a prayer. That is, you know, how they get the rest. So if you're, you're, some would, you know, take this as, or decipher this puzzle as they pray when they're sleeping, and some would take this as when they pray, that gives them the rest as if they were sleeping. Oh, see? couple different ways you could go with that one the next one number five is one of my favorites the endurance of darkness is the preparation for great light let me read that one again the endurance of darkness is the preparation for great light so I'm interpreting this as st. John saying that to endure darkness to endure the hard times we must keep preparing for the great light, for the divine. We must keep studying. We must keep practicing. We must stay steadfast to our faith because our faith is the great light. That is what will get us through the darkness. Next, we have number six. The soul that is quick to turn to speaking and conversing is slow to turn to God. Now, remember again, I'll keep saying this about a billion more times that St. John is a mystic. So we know from the mystics, the big thing with them is contemplation, meditation, and that requires silence. Uh, they're very humble beings. They're very quiet beings. They don't speak much uh, because when they do speak, it's quite powerful. Um, and that's what St. John is alluding to, or at least what I'm interpreting here, where St. John is alluding to that, you know, that your soul that is quick to speaking and conversing, those who are chatty, yeah, listen to me talk. <laughs> Literally listen to me talk. Uh, you just keep rambling on and on and on, chasing all kinds of squirrels. But th that's what uh, St. John is alluding to here, is that's what I'm, I'm picking up, is that um, those who are Kathy chatties are slow to turn to God meaning that they're slow to be in prayer uh, with the divine. They're slow to contemplate or be in contemplative meditation because they're busy just chatting. They're busy throwing words, you know, and, and, and expressing themselves that way. Next is number seven. St. John says, who teaches the soul if not God? Who teaches the soul if not God? So, St. John is saying here that we must, at least, again, how I'm interpreting it, St. John is saying that, again, through contemplation and 
you know, contemplative meditation, studying um, the holy text, things of that nature, that, you know, that is how God teaches us or the divine teaches us or whatever you follow teaches you is through contemplation. You know, you've got, you know, as we've learned through contemplation, uh, contemplative prayer meditation, we make that connection with the divine. You know, the divine is always part of us and we're always part of it. But through this contemplative prayer meditation, we that connection becomes very uh, we become very aware of that connection and awaken to that connection, which means God can directly or the divine can directly transmit and communicate and teach us. Next, we have number eight. He who interrupts the course of his spiritual exercises in prayer is like a man who allows a bird to escape from his hand. He can hardly catch it again. And that's something what we've learned, um, you know, through our studies of meditation. We've had a couple shows on meditation, and I just did one uh, not too long ago about doing, you know, ways and methods of doing protection and and recharging and healing and all of that. If you haven't had a chance to check that one out, go back to that one. It's the one right after uh, the the second uh, show I did with uh, Father Mike it's about you know your mental health and uh, healthy body, mind, and spirit or soul, I should say, which was really good as well. So definitely check them all out. <laughs> so. They always allude to it's so important, the mystics always point out, and this goes in Eastern ways as well, how very important it is to, when you are in prayer and you are meditating, or both, because I don't see a difference between the two, um, that it's important that you be as in a quiet of a place as possible. And if you have children, especially small children, it's very difficult not to be able to sit, meditate, and pray, um, and not be interrupted. But what St. John's pointing out here is that when you are interrupted, it is virtually impossible to get back into that deep connection um, in that same meditation and prayer session again. So what he's saying is that, you know, it's like, you know, having a bird in your hand and the bird gets away trying to catch that bird. Um, what he's alluding to, again, this is what I'm interpreting as, is that you're better off if you just go ahead and close out your prayer and meditation at that time and resume it or do it again either later in the day or evening or at night or by chance the next day if you don't have an opportunity. Um, don't attempt to try to refocus, you know, especially if it's a, it's a you know, a very big interruption, like the kids come in screaming and yelling and fighting or you know, they disturb you, you hear them screaming, yelling and fighting or something like that. Or, you know, heaven forbid your cell phone goes off. And that's why it's important to make sure all the media and stuff that, you know, sources and phones and computers and stuff are turned off or muted uh, when you are doing these practices. Uh, so, again, you know, if you want to try to get back into that meditation groove again or prayer groove again, you're welcome to. I'm not saying don't, but I'm just saying don't get upset don't beat yourself up if you can't get back into that groove. Just, you know, go ahead and close out the prayer, close out the meditation, get up and go about your day and try again later. Okay, in this next one, uh, St. John uses the term man. And what he means by man is he means by, he means everybody, men and women. We just, we have to remember that when we're reading these texts, um, 
and quotes and things of that nature from we have to remember what time they came from that is how they spoke back in those days and it was not a derogatory or sexist term so again when saint john says man in this he means everyone if a man this is number nine by the way if a man wishes to be sure of the road he treads on he must close his eyes and walk in the dark so what do you all think that one means Again, coming from a contemplative, you know, from a mystic, you know, he's saying that, you know, once again, as he alluded to before, he's referencing the eyes, the physical eyes, um, and using that to be how we take our path. Is he saying to not use the physical to discern your path and that you should use what he says is, you know, close your eyes, which means go from your heart, follow your heart not your physical follow your heart next is number 10 in this is one of my favorites as well in tribulation immediately draw near to god with confidence and you will receive strength enlightenment and instruction this one is very difficult for us in in times of trouble what do we do we usually freak out, don't we? We usually lose our cool, lose our temper, break down. Um, you know, all these emotions and feels come over us that are very, very overwhelming. Uh, but what St. John is saying here in all the mystics and the great masters always say, even in the East and in all faiths, um, say that, you know, we need to turn to the divine, draw near to the divine with confidence great confidence this is that surrender uh, that you always hear about in Christianity that you draw near to the divine with great confidence and what happens then you will receive strength enlightenment and instructions so you will grow stronger you will get that strength to be able to endure whatever you're going through say you were just let go at your job your first thing thought is you know just agonizing crush of what am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do for my family? How am I going to provide? You know, we freak out and, and that's, that's a right thing, you know, or a common thing, or it's not a wrong thing to do. You know, it's, it's quite natural. That's what I'm, I should be saying quite natural to do that, but we need to quickly pull back from that and draw near to the vine, call upon the divine, Call upon your guardians, your guides, your angels, your guardian angels. Call upon them all. You know, get in your car instead of driving home upset and frustrated, which could cause you to be in an accident, taking your life or somebody else's life. Get in your car and just sit. Sit for a minute. Pray. Pray to the divine. Open up to the divine. Connect with the divine. Get into that contemplative prayer, that contemplative meditation. Ask them, beg them for your help, for their help, that you need their help. You know, of, gor of course, they know you do. But again, as I've said and will always say, because of free will, they can't intervene. They can't help us unless we ask. And that goes for God, the divine as well. They can't help us unless we ask for help. So immediately ask for help. If it brings you to your knees, let it do so. If you need to drive to the nearest church, 
and drop to your knees and ask for help, do so. If you need to seek out a priest, a pastor, someone, do so. Don't hesitate. There is no sign of weakness in this. And that's one thing I want everybody to understand. And I've talked about this in previous shows, um, especially with Father Mike in the, you know, healthy mind, body and, and soul episode, is that there's no weakness in asking for help. There's actually great strength in doing that. It takes a very strong person to ask for help. And strength comes from asking for help. You know, we are beings that need each other. Well, you know, we are beings that are interdependent, meaning we exist because of each other. You know, as I always used to say when I taught uh, Buddhism and Eastern philosophy, what if everybody in the world took the day off? What would happen? Just one day, if everyone decided, I'm not working today, I'm taking the day off, everybody in the world, what chaos and catastrophe would come from that? So it's important that we realize that we are all interconnected. And with that, we are interdependent, meaning we are dependent upon other people, other beings, other things. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's how the divine created us. The divine wants us to be dependent upon each other and upon it. That's why it is part of us and we are part of it. Again, that interconnectedness of the two. So, again, as I was saying here before I went chasing a squirrel, is that in tough times, draw near to the divine with confidence and you will receive strength, enlightenment, and instruction. Just listen. The divine will tell you what move you need to do next. You know, and I don't mean necessarily hearing. A lot of times it's a feeling or a knowing. It will just pop into your head like, oh, wait a minute. So-and-so was talking about a job that he just got and how they're hiring and, you know, maybe I can get a job there and go check that out. And then it ends up panning out and it ends up being a better job than what you had before. Again, using the uh, example of losing your job. So next is number 11. St. John says, in order to come to union with the wisdom of God, the soul has to proceed rather by unknowing than knowing. Let me say that again. In order to come to union with the wisdom of God or the divine, the soul has to proceed rather by unknowing than by knowing. What I believe he means by that, again, with the mystic and the contemplative way is that it goes all hand in hand with the Eastern way too. Eastern uh, masters and teachers always say that when you first go to them for teachings and advice, first thing 99.9% of them will say is take whatever you know in your mind and dump it out. Dump it out. Because it's time to learn anew and learn the truth. Because chances are what you've been taught what you've seen, what you've witnessed, what you've been conditioned by, you know, media, other people, is not what is true, absolute, the ultimate reality. It's not divine. It's not from the divine. In fact, it's very worldly. Um, you know, it's, it's very relative, as in, you know, this everyday life kind of way. It's not ultimate reality. So, 
you know, you have to throw away all preconceived notions and thoughts. When you're studying and reading what these great masters and saints are teaching, you can't, you can't read it with a bias. You can't read it with an opinion as far as whether you believe it's correct or incorrect. I mean, yes, you can analyze it, and it's good to analyze that. And don't take anybody's word just off the street for truth. But again, analyze it, contemplate it, meditate on it, pray on it. Don't just go, oh, well, no, they're wrong. Well, that's not right. You know, well, so-and-so said this or uh, Facebook said that or YouTube said this or Google says that or Instagram says this or TikTok says that. No, that's that's not the way to get the ultimate reality because it can't be expressed through those means. It can't be expressed through media. It's something that is felt. It can't be expressed through words at all. So some might go, well, then what's the purpose of even reading and studying? Because the words can point you to the direction that you need to go. The words can open you up to where you have that direct awakening to that connection of the divine that we all have. We just have to wake up to it. And then you can receive all of that information, all of that data. You can, as some of the new people are saying, you can download <laughs> You can download from the divine. Of course, it's all got to be in computer terms. You can download what you need from the divine or what the divine needs to be in you um, through that contemplation. Okay, so next is number 12. Among all created things and things that can be apprehended by the understanding, there is no ladder whereby the understanding can attain to this high Lord. Again, among all created things and things that can be apprehended by understanding, the mind, there is no ladder whereby the understanding, the mind, can attain to this high Lord, which means the divine. So this is like just what this other one, the previous one just said, is that you can't get to the divine by your head, by your mind. It's got to be through your heart. If that makes any sense. Those of you who are longtime listeners, I believe, are really getting the feel and understanding of this by now. Those of you who are new, go listen to some of the other episodes and just really pull up a chair and have a buffet um, and just listen to um, all of the podcasts that we've got on here. Because all of them, although they're individual, are all linked, you know, just as everything is connected and interdependent. Same goes through all for all the shows as well. So, again. St. John's pointing out that, you know, true understanding comes of the divine comes through the heart, not through the mind or the head. Next is number 13. The perfection consists in voiding and stripping and purifying the soul of every desire. The perfection consists in voiding and stripping and purifying the soul of every desire. Now, if I would have heard this and someone would say, hey, what, who do you think, what faith do you think this quote came from? I would have swore it would have came from Buddhism or Eastern philosophies because they are all about to find what they call the perfection of the mind. And they call what they mean by mind is your soul, your spirit, your heart. They don't mean mind as in your brain. That's a completely different thing. So again, perfection is 
voiding and stripping and purifying the soul of every desire. Because in Buddhism, one of the big four noble truths is desire that, you know, wanting things leads to suffering. You know, we want something so badly and then we do everything we can to get that thing that we want. But when we get that thing, how long does the feeling of satisfaction last before we are wanting, desiring and grasping at something else? That true happiness and um, peace and solitude cannot come from desire um, if you're in that and as humans that's what we are we're desire beings most of us operate on desire i want this i need that i don't want this i don't want that i don't need this you know um and that saint john is pointing out you know who was quite an ascetic now remember he was with saint Teresa of avila so they were very strict in their routines of prayer and practice and, you know, again, a lot of Buddhists and people in Eastern philosophies are very strict in their practices that, you know, they abstain, you know, you know, from these things like desire. They try to curb that desire, try to get away from desire, try to focus more on the divine. You know, let the divine drive for you. Complete surrender to the divine. What does the divine want me to do? What does the, does the divine want for me? And just sitting in quiet and prayer and meditation and listening and feeling and waiting for the divine to tell you, guide you uh, to what it wants you to do. And I know this sounds really foreign to a lot of us, but it is, it's quite easy to do. It really is quite easy to do. The more you do it, the easier it becomes and the more the divine will speak to you. I mean, you'll just feel it or things will just pop into your mind and and you'll just be like, oh, my gosh, you know, where did that come from? It came from the divine. Next, we have number 14. St. John says, let all find compassion in you. So he's saying that we should all be like Christ. We should all be like the divine where people come to us um, and find compassion they find healing. They find strength that we uplift, encourage, strengthen, um, help everyone that comes to us, everyone that we come in contact with. And you don't have to convert them to your beliefs or your ways in order to do this. You know, that's why I've always been talking about in the show the importance of us educating ourselves in other ways, you know, other uh, philosophies, other religions that you don't have to be a practitioner of said faith or religion to help someone that's in it. In fact, the more you learn, the more you can relate to others, which means the more you can help guide them. Um, there's so many people that need help more so now than I believe ever. Uh, we have so many generations that are completely lost. They have no faith that don't know the first thing of how to handle um, just everyday stress, everyday um, ups and downs. They just don't know how to deal with it. So they self-medicate on either alcohol, drugs, both, or, you know, some negative thing, whether it's stealing or robbery or harming others. Um, you know, they just don't know what to do. So St. John seen that way back then that, you know, the best way to help people is through compassion and love, you know, um, to have that vocation. My vocation is love to that is your job is to love others as the divine, as Jesus, as the Buddha, as 
whomever, Hecate, whomever you follow, um, does and is. Be that love. Be that light unto the world, you know? Be that light unto others. Be that lighthouse in the storm of someone's life. You can do it. You honestly can. And in the process of doing that, you're also helping yourself indirectly. You're healing yourself. You're strengthening yourself. You're encouraging yourself. You're, con you're pursuing and continuing and, and, and your faith grows and flourishes and blossoms into such a beautiful thing. And last but certainly not least is number 15. Obedience is a penance of reason and on that account, a sacrifice more acceptable than all corporal penances and mortifications. So my take on this is, of course, you have to remember um, with the mystics and monastics, especially obedience is a huge rule of theirs is that they do as they're instructed to do by their bishop or um, whoever's in charge of their community or their monastery. Um, it's important that they follow what they're being told. And more so, it's important that they follow what the divine is directing them to do. And so um, here St. John says that obedience and penance of reason and on that account, a sacrifice more acceptable than all corporal. So by he's saying is by doing this obedience, it's a penance of reason. It is the penance of all penance, which means penance means to um, to make right what you've done wrong, to absolve your sins, uh, so to speak, to to, you know, we believe, you know, and sin means to miss the mark. So this is to, you know, help uh, heal those wounds, to right those wrongs of missing the mark. And St. John says that by obedience, through obedience, that is more of a penance than corporal penance and mortifications. And mortifications we've learned from other past saints that we've talked about and, and were introduced to here on the show that they do things, everything from um, wearing the most itchy clothes to uh, wearing chains around their ankles or flogging themselves, that's mortifications. Anything that causes them pain, suffering, as they see as a way of penance. So St. John is saying, you don't need to do all of that. If you want to be penitent, if you want penance or do some kind of penance, be obedient to the divine. Okay, so this week's list of people in need of prayers. And remember, if you would like details to who needs what, uh, please go to the website. We now have a page on the website for prayer requests that have listed names and the needs of those um, amazing people that are in need. So please go check that out so you can keep notes in your daily prayers and your daily journals uh, for these amazing people. First is Mike S. Next is Bob. Bob is actually going for his third round of chemo treatments this Monday and Tuesday. So please keep him in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Elaine, Lana, Clyde, Kathy, Michael T., Megan, Molly, and Gwen, Jean, Father Mike Cantor, and Emma. Emma goes for shoulder surgery this Tuesday, so please, please, please keep her in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Bless her heart 
she's like 83 years old and she is actually terrified of this surgery. So let's all join in prayer for Emma and give her the strength to get through this uh, surgery and recover quickly and fully. So someone asked me, what is the jargon that I'm saying at the beginning of the benediction and blessings uh, that I've been doing lately, where I say, in nominee divi fili espiritus sancti. And that is Latin for, in the name of the divine Son and Holy Spirit. And the reason why I say divine instead of Father is I don't believe that which is all is has a gender. Um, you know, I can go on biblically about this and maybe we will do that in a future show, but just a short, sweet answer is that's what I'm saying in Latin is I'm saying in the name of the divine son and Holy Spirit. And I make the sign of the cross as I do that. I always cross myself and you can do that with me. You don't have to, whatever your, uh, favor and flavor of uh, tradition and religion uh, or spiritual practice. Do what you what works for you, what connects you to the divine, what connects you to the universe. You can't go wrong. So I hope I answered that question. And speaking of, I'm always open to questions, so don't hesitate to reach out to me. My contact information is at the end of this show and every show. And now our closing prayer and blessing. Let us pray. In nominee divi fili et spiritus sancti, we come before you with great gratitude for this day, this moment, this now. As we awaken to your unconditional love and compassion, we understand more and more all that you are. You are the one that is all and the all that is one. We thank you, O great divine, for all of our blessings, we ask for your help and healing. Heal us, O great divine, physically and mentally. In this human form, we are all broken to different degrees. Help us to heal from our brokenness and to selflessly help others who share in our same brokenness and all brokenness. Help us to have your compassion and forgiveness to those who do us wrong and harm. Help us to respond as all the great masters and saints with love, compassion, and forgiveness. Remind us that broken beings who lash out at us need our love, compassion, forgiveness, and prayers more than anything. Help us to realize that attempts for revenge, mentally and physically, only perpetuates brokenness and suffering. It is not the way of the divine and is not the way to heal ourselves or those who have caused us harm. Help us to take our pain and suffering and turn it into fuel for our faith and devotion. Help us to see the lessons and grow in a positive, holy way when things do not go as we wish. Help the lonely to understand and know that they are not alone, that you, as well as all the great masters and saints, are with us always. Wherever we go, there you are. 
There is nowhere where you are not. Help us to think, speak, and act from love and compassion and not our conditioned mind. As we walk, you walk. As we speak, you speak. As we think, you think. As we feel, you feel. May the divine shine upon and within you. May the divine hear and answer your prayers. May you experience divine love, compassion, and forgiveness. May your brokenness be healed, and may you share that healing with others. May the divine bless you with peace, health, and love. In nomine, Divi, Fili, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Infinite thanks, blessings, and love to all of the listeners who have gotten to this point. I know a lot of people skip around, and that's understandable, but, um, you know, to me, the show is equally as important no matter where you listen, but that's just me, just saying. So I wanted to let everybody know that to tune in this Wednesday, 12 a.m. Eastern Time for the Book Nook. Well, you can listen anytime after 12 a.m. Eastern Time, but that's when the new Book Nook for September, I know we're already in September, like mid-September, will be uploaded. So make sure you stay tuned. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please do. That way you get alerts when a new episode is uploaded. So before we go, I do have one quick reminder. I know, like I'm quick with anything. I'm such a windbag. But no, seriously, I guess I was being serious. I don't know. (laughs) Is the pet show that's going to be coming up. It's going to be our season finale show for this year. If you're new to the show, this is the first time you've heard this. If you are a longtime listener, you've heard me talk about this uh, for quite some time now. So if you're one of those people that's waiting to the last minute, you're almost there. I mean, I know we're at what episode here, but it's it's fast approaching and I need a little time to be able to record this episode. And I've received a few people with entries but i haven't received stories i'm I'm, i've just received like hey mention fufulu pup pup and it's like uh okay but what about fufulu pup pup you know what was fufulu pup pup to you you know what you know give me the story of said fufulu pup pup you know (laughs) because that's what the show is going to be all about is sharing the live and stories of these amazing uh, fur babies or furless babies or whatever these pets or as we say children or babies are to us uh, on this episode. So, I mean, I could just say, hey, you know, so-and-so said, hey, fu- mention Fufulu Pup Pup. Okay, I just mentioned Fufulu Pup Pup, but then you're all scratching your head like me saying, what about it? You know, what about Fufulu? You know, who was Fufulu? So, or Pup Pup, <laughs> whatever you called it. So, please, if you've already written me or contacted me, a lot of you <laughs> that are family can contact me directly by phone or text. Um, please write me back, text me again with the story, you know, email me with the story. And if you're waiting to the last minute, you know, time's ticking. Uh, take a moment. You know, share the story of your beloved pets, your beloved Fufulu Pup Pup. <laughs> so I can share that story with everyone that listens to the show. And those of you who are new to the show, 
don't know how to contact me. But that information is coming up here in just a moment. Those of you longtime listeners already know. It's at the end of every show. I so hope and pray that you all have enjoyed the show and that you found everything that you are searching for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast, here and more. Please don't be a stranger. Come around anytime, all the time. We now have an Amazon.com wish list for the show for anyone who would like to make an offering. A link can always be found in the show notes and show description. I'm always open to questions and suggestions. We have people listening from all over the world. There are amazing beings past and present in your country, society, and culture that we and the rest of the world do not know about, but we should. Please, please, please contact me and share these amazing beings so the world can learn about them. Next is prayers. I love to pray and our listeners love to pray. So let us pray for you. There are two ways that you can do this. The first is to email me directly at faithandmorepodcast. That's all one word, faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. The second way is through our website. There's a contact form on the website. And you can find our website at faithandmorepodcast. Again, that's all one word, faithandmorepodcast.wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E dot com slash my dash site s-i-t-e so until next week have a blessed week and know that each and every one of you are in my heart and prayers bless you <laughs>